0: Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. my fellow podcasters around the world, and my Guardians of Grace, my buds from the Guardian Grace community. Love you guys. This is Steve again. Bill's not able to meet with us because of prior engagements, but he will be back soon. Until then, you've got me. Hopefully that's a good thing. More than that, you've got the Lord. Hopefully, it's the Lord's words that you listen to when you listen to this podcast. I don't want to say a thing. I want it to be the Lord speaking and pointing to scriptures. Good thing about it, you can know that it's the Lord's words when you're reading them out of the Bible, which is what Guardians of Grace strives to do. It's the way we roll. We just point to scriptures and let them impart the wisdom that they have contained in them. It's those scriptures that you have to argue with. It's not Steve or Bill, because like I said, we're just pointing to scriptures. The scriptures are telling you A, B, and C. And if you don't believe in A, B, and C, you're arguing with those scriptures about what they say. I usually... Well, I always, 100% of the time, I I behave according to the scriptures. I don't try and tell the scriptures to behave according to what I want them to say. What they say is what they say, and I go with that. And luckily, I always have peace with it. It's not something that I wrestle in my mind. Oh, I just don't want the scriptures to be saying what they say. I just go, okay, is that what they say? And to tell the truth, that's a blessing. I'm lucky to be able to do that because some people can't. And they wrestle with the scriptures. And to me, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear it. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I would wish that they could just learn from the scriptures and and just take them in and see what they're saying and go with it because a lot of times the scriptures are not going in the same direction as what I hear on the TV or the radio. The the two just clash. And for me, it's the scriptures that win, but I see a lot of that. I see a lot of cherry-picking a certain scripture and using it out of context something like it's appointed for a man to die and then face judgment when the rest of the sentence says so Christ died and faced the judgment for us all and he's coming back a second time without considering sin it makes a big difference when you read the whole sentence but I I want today to to talk about this idea of free will again I'm sorry to bring it up, but it seems to be necessary to mention it. I don't mean to burst any bubbles. Forgive me if I do. This is another one where you want the scriptures to behave according to what you feel is right to say. I just wanna challenge everybody out there, search your memory, because I'm going to ask you one simple question. Okay, ready? When you hear people say, the Bible says we have a free will, or the Lord gave us free will, it's his sovereign gift to us, we've got free will, and we are able to do with it what we want to do, but it's our gift from God. We've got free will, and the Bible clearly says it. Those people who make those claims, have you ever, ever, ever heard them cite a verse? If you're searching your memory, you're going to realize that they never, ever cite a verse. Never, not one time. I mean, all of them, everybody that you listen to, it's just across the board. They never cite a verse. And when they're pressed on citing a verse, I'm, I'm going to tell you the the two verses they go to. And I think we should look at those and analyze them and see if those two single verses actually support what's being proclaimed, that they teach that we have a free will. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. That's where it's written that I have set before for you both life and death, good and evil. Choose life that it may go well with you. Or Joshua 24 15, in which Joshua stands up in front of the crowd and says, Choose this day which God you'll serve. As for me and my household, we'll serve the living God. Then he walks off the stage and dies. Everybody cites those two verses and say, You see, he told us to choose. That means we have a free will that indicates that we have a free will. And my question is, how does that indicate that we have a free will? How is that a proof text that we have a free will? How can you make that say we have a free will? And the answer is, well, because he gave the command, it implies that we have a free will. And my question is, What about when Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect? Does that imply you can be perfect? Or was he telling the crowd that no one's perfect and you better trust in Jesus as your salvation because you don't make the grade? Well, they say choose this day implies and you'd have to ask yourself, well, is it a direct statement saying You have a free will. Because that is a direct statement. That's a declarative statement. It's a statement of fact. That statement is in the indicative mood, which means I'm stating a fact. I'm telling you a truth. I'm laying down this truth to you as a truth for you to believe indicative statement, a declarative. I declare to you that this is true. No, that statement or that little bit of text, because it's not a statement, that little bit of text is in the imperative mood, saying you've got to do this. You need to choose life that it may go well with you. You must choose life. So choose it. You don't have any other choice but to choose life. You better do it. Imperative mood, a command. I'm telling you what to do. I'm not implying that you can do it. I'm not implying anything. I'm just telling you what to do. Go to the store. Go to the store. I want you to go to the store. It's just a command. It doesn't imply that you have a choice to go to the store or anything. It just told you to go to the store. You were just told to go to the store. That's what a command is, and they don't imply anything. It takes an indicative statement to make a doctrine. That's what our doctrines come from, indicative statements, statements of fact. The sun rose on the third day. That's a statement of fact that you're expected to believe, that he rose on the third day. One died for all, therefore all died. Jesus died for us, therefore in God's eyes all have died and our sin debt is paid. An indicative statement, a statement of fact, not an imperative move. Let's see how the two compare. Let's compare the idea in Deuteronomy 30 with an idea in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, we're going to look at some actual indicative statements that are on the subject of free will, or our will, I will say or whether our will is free or not. These are indicative statements, statements of fact. The first one is in, let's say, 714, Romans 714, where Paul says, The law, I know that the law is spiritual, but I am human in nature, sold into bondage to sin. Statement of fact. I'm in bondage to sin. I am of human nature, and I am sold into bondage of sin. Does that sound free? Because it's a statement of fact. One, you you said, because he said choose, it implies that I'm free. Here's a statement of fact where Paul says, I'm in bondage to sin, statement of fact, which one would you go with? Okay, let's read the next verse. For I, for that which I am doing, I do not understand. Statement of fact, I don't understand it. For I am not practicing what I will to do, but I am doing the very thing I do not will. Does that sound like Paul is declaring to us that we have a free will or is he saying I don't do what I will to do and I do the very thing I do not will to do it doesn't sound free at all and it is in the indicative mood he goes on to say But if I do the very thing that I do not will to do, and the Greek word there is actually will. It's written differently in some versions, but the Greek word is actually will. It should be what I will to do. But if I do the very thing I do not will to do, I agree with the law confessing that it's good. So just like those people back in Deuteronomy that Joshua and Moses were talking about when he said choose life they said we will choose life because when it said choose life it said by choosing life you're committing yourself to doing all that the Lord has commanded you have to love the Lord with all your heart and keep all of his commandments that is what choosing life is There's another scripture in Proverbs that says the power of life and death is in the tongue, but it's not really spoken of here in Deuteronomy. It's just saying choose life, and he says life is obeying the commandments, so choose to obey the commandments. Here he's saying I I choose to do right because I agree with the law, Paul goes on to say in Romans 7, 17, So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that lives in me. He says, I am human, sold into bondage to sin. I'm doing what I do not will to do, and I'm not doing what I will to do. So if I am doing what I do not will to do, it's no longer me doing it, but sin that dwells in me. He's personifying sin there. He's making sin out to be a living entity, like a virus or a a person that is stronger than us, a, a sin master, a taskmaster, but he says this virus or person lives in me, and he's the one making me do what I do not will to do. Now that's a revelation that has been hidden through all the generations of the Mosaic Law, only now revealed in in the new covenant, but he gives up a picture, a picture for us to grasp that it's not me doing it, but there's another living entity, it's doing it in me. And then he goes on to say that, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my human nature, in my human nature, nothing good dwells in me. For the willing to do good is there, but the doing of good is not. So he says, I am willing to do it. He just said it right there. Indicative statement. The willingness is there, but the ability to do good is not, because when we're talking humanly speaking, It is in bondage to this sin that lives in our human nature and it causes us to do what we don't will to do and doesn't allow us to do what we will to do. This word picture of a living entity in us. And he says, nothing good dwells in us that's in our human nature, but we're so willing to do it. We are willing to do it because that's an indicative statement. I'm going to behave according to what the scripture says. And the scripture says, as a matter of fact, I am willing to do it, but I can't. And that is the issue. That is the issue that the idea of free will covers up the fact that we're willing but not strong enough. Do you get that? Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? The idea of free will that we can do it in our own power because God has sovereignly given us the ability to choose covers up the idea that humanly speaking we can't do what we will to do because we've got something living in our human nature that is stronger than we are. So let me read verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not will, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. A second time, he said, it is sin that dwells in me that has me in bondage to it. Remember the first verse we looked at, Romans seven fourteen. I am of a human nature sold into bondage to who? Bondage to sin. This one's saying that sin, I don't do it because it's sin that's doing it through me. It's taking control of me and causing me to do what I do not will to do, just like it caused those people back in Deuteronomy to do what they didn't will to do. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes. But then Paul goes on to say, I find this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wills to do good me in my human nature the one who wills to do good i really want to do good i find then there's this principle or this law of gravity a law of dynamics in me the one who wills good to do good he says because i joyfully concur with the law of god in my inner man i In my mind, I joyfully concur with the law. I want to do the law. I will to do the law. But I see this different law of dynamics in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of this law of dynamics of sin, which is in my body. So it says this law of dynamics works against the law that's in my mind, the law that's willing to do good, and this law of dynamics makes me a prisoner. How do you put prisoner and free will in the same sentence? There's no way to do it unless you say, I don't have a free will because I'm a prisoner now. Is The only way the sentence works, he says, I am a prisoner. If, if you could say, I'm not a prisoner, then you could say, I have free will. But you can't put free will in the same sentence with, with, I am a prisoner. You can't put it in the same sentence. It doesn't work. It's not grammatically correct. He said he is a prisoner of this law of dynamics, like a law of gravity, just like if I release the ball, it drops to the ground every time. It is a prisoner to the law of gravity, the ball is. It's going to drop to the ground every time. And I am a prisoner to this law of dynamics every time. A law of dynamics is something that produces the same result every single time you do it. It can't be considered a law of dynamics unless it produces the same result every single time. And he says, I see this law that always produces the same result. It makes me a prisoner of sin. Then Paul finally cries out, "O oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free? That's what Jesus said. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Well, he says, who will separate me from this body of death? Who will free me from this human nature that is in bondage to this word picture of a living entity or word picture of a law of dynamics that is controlling me and causing me to fail at the Christian life? Who will set me free from that? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the Son of Man, sets you free. And what are we talking about? We are talking about sets your will free from the bondage to sin. That's why in Romans 6, it could say, I'm speaking in human terms because the weakness of your flesh, your flesh can't set itself free from its bondage to sin. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your human nature. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Here's the indicative statement. That was the command. Here's the indicative statement, though. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have any righteousness in you when you were what? Free moral agents or slaves to sin? When did nothing good dwell in you? Remember Paul said, nothing good dwells in me that is in my human nature because sin takes control of me. When were you slaves of sin when sin was dominating you. Then it says, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed? The outcome of those things is death, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, You're a slave to God. That's what I wanna be. I wanna be an auditrom of God. I wanna be totally enslaved to him and have his life flow through me as a vessel. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Lord and he lives in you by his spirit? We have this vessel in jars of clay so that the all-surpassing value can be of God and not of us. Those are verses. That say we are a vessel. Well, I would like to be an auditron, which is a word they may use in the 20th century. I would like to be a vessel that God uses. I would like to be enslaved to God, it said. When it said, but now having been freed from sin, that's passive voice. You did not free yourself you were freed from sin, and you did not enslave yourself to God, you were enslaved to God. It was by his power that you were freed from sin, and by his power you were enslaved to God, and you live a marvelous Christian life, one that you're proud of. But you see, these verses, those are the indicative statements on the matter, when it says, choose life, I set before you life and death, so choose life, that doesn't imply that you have a free will. These verses are indicative statements that say point blank that you do not have a free will, and that just like Paul cried out, oh wretched man that I am, who will set me free? You have to be set free From sin, you're not strong enough to break the bondage of sin in your own human strength. God has to come in there and set you free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And they said, We're not slaves to anything. And he says, If you commit one single sin, you're a slave to sin. That's Jesus' own words in in John chapter eight. Jesus' own words, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. That's why you sin. That's exactly what Paul said. I sin because sin dwells in me and I'm in bondage to it. Jesus himself said, you're a slave to sin. Does that sound like Jesus said, oh, you're a free moral agent. You have free will. No, it didn't. But it's a Bible verse staring you in the face. That is a Bible verse staring you in the face. I think it's right around John 840, somewhere between 832 and 844, let's say. He said, point blank, you're a slave to sin. Who are you going to go with, Jesus or the preachers that you hear talking this smack It's it's not supported by Bible verses. The only two Bible verses they use are choose life and not death, which is where we're going back to. We're going back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I want to read this in context of the actual passage. Let's start in maybe Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. I'll read this quite a bit of this passage. For this commandment, which I commanded you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven and bring us this commandment that we may hear and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea and bring us this commandment that we may hear and do it? but the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. You know what the commandments are. You've got them. You know them. You don't have to go anywhere. You know the commandments. See, I have set before you life and death, evil and good, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statues and his judgment that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are going to possess. Keep all those commandments. He said, I set before you life and death. Well, Life is keeping all the commandments and death is not. That's what we're talking about. He said, choose that. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are not drawn away and, wor- and are drawn away and worship other gods to serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you crossed over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today that you have set before you life and death blessings and cursing therefore choose life that both of that both you and your descendants may live choose life it, it's not implying that you have free will or not it's just giving you a command choose life that you may love the lord your god and that you may obey his voice that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days he is your life it's literally saying cling to him and i'll just in parentheses clay say when he said cling to him, he's really given you a new concept, new covenant concept, because he's saying become one flesh with the Lord. You remember a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. He's saying become one flesh for the, with the Lord because he is your life. He's the one who could do all the commandments. Even in the Old Testament, they're telling you this new covenant reality that you need Jesus to do for you what you can't do for yourself each and every day of the week. He's even saying it here in Deuteronomy. But he goes on as the story goes on, let me say, about 15 or 20 verses later in, in Deuteronomy 31, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play harlot with gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. 16 verses after he said, choose life, he said, they're never going to do it. He prophesied, he told Moses the truth. They're never going to do it. That's what the context this passage that says choose life that we think is telling us we have a free will. He's saying you won't. You'll be dominated. You won't do this. You don't have a free will because if you've had a free will, I couldn't say that you won't do this. I'd have to say we'll see what his free will says, but he already made the bold statement then in verse 28, he says, Gather to me all the elders of the tribes and your officers that I may speak the words in their hearing and call heaven and earth against them to witness. For I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will be you in the later days. That is what Moses told the nation of Israel. He gathered them up and said, you will not be able to do what you chose. That's the context in which this statement taken out of context they say proves you have a free will you just take that one little statement and say it means you have a free will but right here it said your will's not free you're going to let the lord down okay so let's go to Joshua chapter 24 and start reading in in maybe verse 14. Joshua is talking to the people of Israel and he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in certainty and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is agreeable in your sight, serve the Lord for yourself today Choose whom you will serve. As for my house, we will serve the living God. He says, Choose for yourself today whom we will serve. And people say, See, there you go. He said, Choose this day which day which God you'll serve. That means you have a choice, Steve. You have a choice. You can serve. God, or you can serve, you know, any God you want. It's up to you. You'll pay the consequences, but you've been given a choice. You've got the free will to do anything that you want. Well, look at what, there again, in the context of the passage, and the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and whom did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. And the Lord drove them from before us, all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So they chose to do the right thing, you would think, right? They did choose it. It said it right there. That was them recording history. They chose to do the right thing. But do you know what the next verse says the next verse in this passage in context with the verse that we just pull out one single verse and say, choose this day which God you'll serve, and and say that proves that you have a free will. Even though we saw all, all those indicative statements in Roman that just point blank told us you don't have a free will, why don't the people who say you have a free will look at those verses? Why do those verses not register? Why don't they register? Because they point blank, tell you indicatively that you don't have a free will. Why do they say, this implies you do, and I'm going with this? Because the next verse says, you can't, he's too holy. You can't serve the living God. And they said, no, but we will serve the living God. And he said, just like they said in Deuteronomy, You are witnesses against yourself that you chose to serve the living God. You're witnesses against yourself, and from Joshua 25 15 till you get to Matthew, the first gospel, all you read about is the futility of Israel trying to choose to serve the living God in their own human strength and determination because that's what they chose to do. They chose to do it, but they couldn't. That's the issue. You can't do it because there's a sin guy that dwells in you. That's the mystery that Israel didn't know when they were trying to obey the Ten Commandments. And they always ask, why do we behave like this? And you ask the same question, why do I behave like I do? I know I'm committed to God. I want to do everything right each and every day, yet I don't. What makes me fall short? Why do I fail at this task of living the Christian life? Why do I not attain or achieve the level of success that I could be proud of why, 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 why can't I do it? The answer is right there in Romans 7, because sin that dwells in you makes you do what you don't want to do, and it won't allow you to do what you do want to do. Do you know what Galatians 5 says? 5.17, it it says, the flesh... The human nature wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the human nature. The two are at war with each other, so you don't always do what you want. And you find yourself going, I should do it. I shouldn't do it. I should give some money to these people. I, sh- I don't want to give money to these people. And you feel the war wage back and forth as you try to make a decision but like it says in Philippians 12, it is God who works in you to will and do his good pleasure. How much more of a point-blank indicative statement is there than that? God works in you to will to do something and to do it. God works in you to make the right choice and to do it. Philippians 1 or two twelve. Look at it. God works in you to will and do his good pleasure. Back to Joshua. He just told you you can't. And Romans 7 tells you why you can't, because you never had a free will. Your will was in bondage to failure. Let's call the sin guy failure. Your will was in bondage to failure to live the Christian life in an exemplary fashion. You couldn't do it because there was something in you that caused you, that that prevented you from accomplishing what you wanted to do. And that's just please the people around you and shine in front of them and not embarrass yourself in front of those people but like Paul said, sin dwells in me and it makes me do what I will not to do and it embarrasses me in front of all the people I'm with all the time. It always embarrasses me. It trips me up and I just want to not embarrass myself and I can't stop embarrassing myself. I want the friends around me to respect me as a Christian, but I keep embarrassing myself Paul told you why. Because of sin that dwells in you, because of a law of dynamic that dwells in you, in your human nature. Let's start zeroing in on what it dwells in. It dwells in your human nature, but you've been born again, and you have the Spirit of God in you, and the Spirit of God, like Paul said, who will set me free from this body of death, O wretched man that I am? The Spirit in you sets you free all through the day and causes you to shine. It's the Spirit in you which is the hope of glory. Remember Christ in you, the hope of glory? Christ in you in his spiritual form beats the sin in your human nature, and causes you to walk an exemplary life. See, the idea that you have free will blinds your eyes to how bad you need Jesus. You need Jesus in you to walk this Christian life. Isn't that what Paul said in Galatians 3? Oh, foolish Galatians, after having begun the Christian life, in the spirit, are you now going to try and attain the goal of the Christian life in human effort? Human efforts where you're in bondage. Human efforts where you get imprisoned back to embarrassing yourself. And the idea of free will blinds you to that one truth, because When you're embarrassing yourself, you can say, Oh, Lord, who will set me free from this body of death, though wretched man that I am? And Jesus can set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Then you have a free will. Jesus said, I am your free will being enslaved to me is your free will. That's what Romans said, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God. What a beautiful thing to be enslaved to God because you're experiencing him through you, the God of the universe, you're experiencing the God of the universe speaking right through you to people as he's using you as his vessel to carry on God's eternal purpose throughout all these ages, because God has things for you to do. And when he's doing something through you, you are not embarrassing yourself. You see, there's a whole revelation about the Christian life a whole revelation about the Christian life. It's a dependency on Jesus, the Spirit within you, to do for you what you can't do for yourself. In the idea of saying just carelessly, oh, you have a free will, or oh, the Bible's full of the fact that you have a free will. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand how people can say the Bible says you have a free will when you, there's nobody that's ever found a verse that said that because it doesn't. It says the opposite. I can give you a hundred more verses that say you're in bondage to sin. Like, like, let's say 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's servant must be gentle and not quarrelsome in hopes that God would grant repentance and they would come to their senses and a knowledge of the truth and escape listen to this, escape the devil who has taken them captive to do the devil's will. Escape the devil who has taken them captive to do the devil's will. Paul said, who will set me free from the devil's will? Because he's taken me captive. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That's why it said, and God would grant repentance because Jesus in you freed you From the devil who's taken you captive to do his will. Whom the devil has taken captive to do his will, does that sound free to you? Is not this Bible telling you something that you've got to beware of this guy who keeps you from being free? There's a person out there that wants to devour you. It's called Satan. And he can only devour you when you think you have a free will and you try to tell him no. He can beat you, but he can't beat the spirit that is in you. So ask the spirit to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And don't let the veil of the notion of free will stop you from knowing how dependent you are on the spirit of God because it's the spirit of God that does all things. Jesus said, abide in me and I'll abide in you for apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Isn't that what you want to bear is good fruit for the people around you to taste so that they can taste the good fruit and just enjoy your fellowship with them? and you're speaking words of wisdom and kindness and filling them with joy and all the thing that the Spirit produces, the fruit that the Spirit produces, when you're enslaved to the Spirit, it produces that fruit. And that's where you want to be. You want to be enslaved to the Spirit. And the idea of free will, which is not in the Bible, let me say that again, it's not there. Nowhere. It's not there. Two commands that they twist and say, well, that implies that's too weak. Not when you've got the indicative statement that says, I am of human nature in bondage to sin. That's an indicative statement, brothers. That's the one that you have to go with. You are in bondage to sin. Your will is not as free as you think it is. Please don't make that miscalculation. Don't believe the wrong idea. You're, you can easily be entrapped to sin and embarrass yourself. So rely on the Spirit so that you won't, because the devil can beat you easy in your human determination and your human free choices. He beats you. That's why he doesn't want you to know that your will is not free, that he puts you in bondage to him. He does not want you to know that he ties you up and enslaves you because he wants to tie you up and enslave you. And if you know it and you know the remedy, which is the spirit, he can't tie you up and enslave you anymore. And that's what the idea of free will does. It leaves him in disguise it leaves us not knowing about his number one method for getting you to sin which is to overpower your will and control it because he's caused these people the god of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers he's caused people to be blind to the fact that you don't have a free will I mean, it's even said in the movies, oh, and God gave us a free will. The devil wants that spread everywhere, everywhere, because if we don't know that he's the cause of bondage, he gets away with bondage. It's that simple. And I ask, I just ask all my fellow preachers out there, check this out, man, repent, repent. Tell your congregation you're sorry for saying they had a free will and that you disguised the very power of Satan, the very power of sin. Don't you know the power of sin is the law? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. the power of sin is the law because the power of sin is accomplished by the human nature that's what the law is for for the human nature and that's what satan takes control of that's what sin takes control of you guys please repent from saying you have a free will please share this podcast with your fellow preachers please listen to this podcast please look it up for yourself i call me 561-502-9027, ask for Steve. I can show you hundreds of verses that point-blank indicative statements say you don't have a free will. The epistles are saturated with them. They're replete in the epistles. I don't use that word lightly. I can show you over and over where Philippians and Galatians and ephesians and first timothy and second timothy talk about your bondage to sin please please help me unveil the very essence of satan's arsenal the fact that he's disguised the idea that he gets his power, he has power over the human nature, and if he can get you to rely on your free will, then he can overpower you. But if you turn and say, my will's in bondage and I need Jesus, you go fight Satan, Jesus. The devil doesn't have a chance. He's going to live in the swine. He won't be living in you and I, he'll be living in the swine. And he knows this, so he created this fantasy that we have a free will to blind everybody's eyes from his activity in his secret power please you other preachers help me preach the very antidote to satan help me preach you guys repent tell your congregations you're sorry this is what i pray for lord please please Allow every preacher out there to gain a spirit of wisdom and revelation, show the mind of Christ and see and see and understand and understand and hear and hear what the word of God actually says so that they can repent And we can get this straightened out and Satan can lose his power in the church because he's got so much power hiding behind this one fantasy. So please, you guys, please, all my other preachers, share this with every everybody. Share this podcast with as many people as you can, especially pastors, because we need the pastors to stop saying we have a free will. Just stop it, Lord. I love you guys. I love you guys. I'll say good night to now, but just realize how passionate I am. Please repent, you guys, my fellow pastors. Love you. Good night.